seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. The Savachi syndrome, I'm telling you, I'm. Holy shit, that was crazy. Wait for it. Thick and slick. <laughs> What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Moto Aftermath Show, episode number 164. We are wrapping up Atlanta 2 here. A little bit of a shorter show tonight. Um, it is a Wednesday night. We had a Super Tuesday race there. Before we get started, let's uh, let's do the things that pay the bills. So first off, let's thank our sponsors. So first off, I'd like to thank TLR Coatings. They've been with us since the beginning Custom powder coating, Cerakoting, sandblasting, vapor blasting. They can do it all for you. Check them out, tlrcoatings.com. Check out their Instagram and uh, see what they've been working on and give us a call and get your stuff in here. We do shipping on everything, so we can definitely hook your parts up, even if you don't live in the Southwest Michigan area. Also want to thank our other presenting sponsor, Premier Custom Trailers. Do you need a trailer, commercial or residential? Premier Custom Trailers has what you need. They work with the best manufacturers in the industry and specialize in all your trailer needs. Sales, service, parts, or rentals, they do it all. PremierCustomTrailers.com, located five minutes south of Kalamazoo on US-131 in Schoolcraft, Michigan. They put the custom in customer service. Also on board with us, JT Cycle. Uh, I believe it's jtcycle.com. Check them out. They are your Husky, Gas Gas, Suzuki dealer, and the Dirt Bike Depot. It's the dirt dash bikedepot.com uh basically brand new and gently used gear at a discounted rate so go check that out their inventory is always changing as always if you want to help us out here make sure to share the show with your friends either the youtube the spotify the apple podcast doesn't matter share it with everyone you can also make sure to like subscribe comment down below if you're watching on youtube make sure to leave us a review if you are listening on the podcast form we are on all the major podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. So make sure to go check us out there if you want to listen instead of watch on YouTube because you don't want to pay for the YouTube premium to just listen to us in the background. Uh, also, make sure to check us out on all the major social media networks. We are on Instagram. We are on uh, Twitter. We are on Facebook. Um, Cole is doing the Twitter. I have no idea how that's going because Cole has not been around for like a week and a half. I'm sure he's been tweeting some things, but I don't really know. I don't follow Twitter at all. Uh, the Instagram side of things, we are doing we are doing posts here and there. Basically, I'm busy, man, so I'm trying to post as much as I can. But it is bike building season and riding season. So there will be more posts coming up. Also, make sure to check out the Fantasy Supercross podcast on the same network here uh, or YouTube channel, whichever you're checking out. Me and Cole get together uh, talk about results from the previous race. Talk about picks for the upcoming race. And uh, there's prizes and stuff involved with our leagues there. So make sure to go check that out. On the line with me tonight, wrapping up all of the action from Atlanta 2. And there's a lot to unpack here. And we're going to try to do it as quickly and efficiently as possible. It is the one, the only former factory mechanic, Tom Cooper. Tom, what's going on tonight, buddy? Hey, evening, everybody. 
What a race. Dude, we got a lot to talk about here. A lot. <laughs> you want to start with some 450 action here? Because I believe the biggest yeah, sure. story is in 250s, so we should probably start with 450s and work our way around. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for that. All right, so let's start with 450s. So, first up in 450s, friend of the show, sponsored rider, privateer hero, Kevin Morans, goes down hard in practice and uh, ends oh, up man. getting life flighted out of the track. He is okay. Um, I just saw he just put up a post on Instagram. I'd been texting him, but obviously he's been a little busy uh, seeing as how he was getting life flighted. So, um, basically, back section... Um, where they went triple, 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 and then the big supercross triple. Uh, first lap of Q1, it looks like he seat bounced super hard in that first triple, and uh, it just, um, you know, Pogo sticked him off the front, and he went to Indonesia hard. Um, he was okay somewhat. He got up. He uh, uh, walked off on his own after being down for a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. But... Um, uh, ended up life flighting him out of the track into Atlanta hospital because he was complaining of some abdominal injuries. So they wanted to make sure he didn't have like, uh, uh, any major lung problems or internal bleeding or anything. He is okay. He's got a couple broken ribs. He has a bruised lung. He has a, what do you say? Chipped scapula or something. Uh, but other than that, he's okay. So he's super sore, but he's all right. But scary moment as there were lots of them last night on that track. So uh, hopefully he can come back for Saturday's 450 race, but would not surprise me if he didn't. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I haven't talked to him yet. I'm waiting to hear back from him. You know, we sure are glad that he's all right. That, to see a guy go over the bars like that, I'll tell you, for the fans at home that don't ride, and even for the ones that do, the ones that, that out there that ride, there's not many things on the world in, in life that are a worse feeling than when you're going over the bars like that. That is the one of the, th the those things that sticks with you because it's fucking terrible. Just like some other crashes we're going to talk later tonight. Uh, when you're going over the bars and you get packed in your, your face first into the next jump, that's a terrible thing to happen. Yeah. When it uh, when I heard it was Moran's that went down, I was like, oh, shit. And then when I saw how it happened, I was like, oh, that sucks so bad. See, the thing was, when, when it first happened there, I didn't, I guess, see exactly where he was laying during qualifying while I was watching it. And... Um, I thought because when you went that three 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 before that big supercross triple, the transition between the second three and the third three uh, was super super abrupt and super steep, and like there were dudes getting out of control all day going through that last three section there. Um, so I thought originally that was what he had done was gotten just buck wild going through that and pitched himself over, but then seeing the video today, it was not that. It was a seat bounce gone wrong, so. Oh, buddy. Maybe yeah. you'll be finding out what this seat bounce is like on your new Yamaha here before too long, eh? Oh, God, I hope not, man. I don't, fuck, I don't need to fuck myself up like that, so. I'm not saying crashing, but I'm saying seat bouncing. This is your first time on a 250 in many years. Oh, no, we'll be fine. Situations, I'm not fast. We're cool. I'm not seat bouncing shit. <laughs> Cruising around, <laughs> not taking it out of second gear. We're going to be fine. Holy smokes. We gotta get some we're gonna have to get some uh training wheels for you if you're not leaving second gear. Well maybe. I don't know, we'll have to see. So Um but anyway, you know, okay. speaking of training wheels, did you ever get that PW back? Not yet. Um 
he had the motor done the other day. I coated the wheels and frame middle of last week. Um, the seat cover got ordered Monday, and the color was sent to the graphics guy along with the design we wanted. So we're hoping... He told me I should have it by the end of the week. So we'll see. I'm hoping end of the week, first part of next week. So, Who would you go with for graphics? Who did we go with? I don't know. It's whoever he uses, man. Yeah. I'm not putting graphics on. Fuck that. <laughs> I did that. You saw how that went on my on my Yamaha graphics right now. My man, that was only number plates. Okay, it's fucking terrible. I'm horrible at graphics. I'm not doing graphics for shit. I'll order graphics already installed on the plastics. I'll pay the extra to have them installed. I'll pay the extra for the plastics because I'm not installing graphics. Fuck Who's it. doing I'm it though? I don't know who he uses. I can't remember who he was saying he uses. Oh, whoever whoever your builder uses. Yeah, yeah. Whoever whoever he uses is who we're going with for right now. So, um, well, there better be a Moto Aftermath logo on the shrouds. There should be. There should be a Moto Aftermath and TLR Coatings logo on there. So, we should be good to go on all that stuff. Um, That's awesome. Back to the uh, issues at hand here, though. So, 450 class, man. We were all wrong. We all were saying, "Titles over. Give it to Cooper." Barring a catastrophe, it's over. Wait a minute. And it didn't take Wait a, a catastrophe. The fans all know that we had, we is not all of we. Because I have not been saying that. <laughs> You're one of the few. Everybody else has been on that train. It was Cooper's title now. And now it's back in range here. So things things yeah, got so real what, interesting. This, this was such a great race for for. Uh, us to have on a Tuesday right before the end of the season like this has made the end of the, the title chase here that much better on both classes oh yeah 100% it, it is I mean we're back down to I believe it's 13 point difference between um, Kenny and Webb I mean the breakdown of Webb yesterday is Webb just looked like shit all day he didn't look good in qualifying which that's not anything crazy in fact even i after qualifying there was comments made on race day live always seventh and then they were like oh well you know it's just whatever and even i was like yeah web doesn't always qualify great um but then you got into the heat race he didn't look good you got into the main and it just things were happening and it was not good it took him like three or four laps to even figure out the whoop section so that he wouldn't get just complete, like he wouldn't lose two seconds in the whoops alone. And even then, he was mediocre, just enough so he wouldn't lose two seconds, but not really good enough to keep guys behind him if they were right on him. And then, man, I don't know, like the rest of the track, he still didn't look good. Then you get at the end, he's battling Barsha for like sixth place or something, or no, it was like a fourth, I want to say. And what a race. and then, man, and then Barsha, you just you just knew that something was going to happen. Like, was there any point during those couple laps that Webb and Barsha were right by each other that you were like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Webb's going to get by him clean. Like, no problem. No problem. Because it was not in my mind. In my mind, there was always a problem. (laughs) I I was really impressed with a lot of riders this weekend. And and, uh, you may remember a couple of shows back when I was saying that guys like Jason Anderson and Justin Barsha and a few of the other guys, maybe even Diller Francis. I don't think I mentioned Paul Dilly, but I think that every, you know, at least the other two, I said we're going to be contenders in some of these Atlanta rounds. And I tell you what, you, you see, sometimes all it takes is to get pissed or 
if you're playing hockey, you kind of you have like a game where you're hung over from the night before out with the boys or whatever. If you if you got one of those games where you're just fucking pissed, pardon me, kids at home. Sometimes you you go out there and you give it a little bit different than you normally would, and I think that we saw that with with Jason Anderson. I'm I'm pretty sure that you and I have talked back on the show that that might happen in at Atlanta, and it did. from the microphone for a second totally did man he um yeah jason anderson last night was on fire on fire he was feisty in qualifying i mean dude he qualified fastest so that's always a good sign but he was feisty in qualifying he was feisty in that heat race i mean the heat race (laughs) uh the heat race was a beautiful disaster for him you have he stalls it on the gate which is embarrassing like, dude, you're a pro 450 <laughs> rider. How are you stalling on the gate without your bike actually breaking? I don't know. Well, the thing is, is that when they do starts on those bikes, you do it on a real low RPM. Like, not not much at all. Like, on a 250, you're wide open almost. But you're, on yeah. a 450, you're not high at all. Once it happens, happens, it's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so he stalls it there. Then he's coming through. And then, okay, so I got to ask you, blame pie. Percentage wise, with the A Ray Anderson debacle there in the heat race, who do you blame? Give a percentage of blame for each one. Oh, there's no blame on any station Anderson. It's just that Alex Ray fucked up. He got crossrider in the in the rhythm and went to the left. So that's it, that's just what happened. And then Anderson doesn't know that. Obviously, he just knows that he got hands on, thinking that somebody was coming through, being crazy like James Stewart used to do, and and that wasn't the case. So like. Jason Anderson overreacting, I would say, but on the, on the other hand, people are like, well, Ricky Carmichael's kind of on, on, the, on the broadcast, and I'm like, look yourself, Jason Anderson, she's fuck that guy. I'm, I, I'm surprised that he didn't do, like, a, a chicken Matasevich punch to the head. And I, think <laughs> was, I think what I'm talking about, it was in terra firma, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. No, I, re- I you really... Know, thinking this was about to happen, and Jason just gives him a little lick, and that was because he didn't know any better, right? So after the race, then he had kind of... Yeah, say something about it after you knew what actually happened, but I really thought all the people that are fine about it, like fuck you guys. You don't know what's foul. You don't know what's like to be Jason Anderson in third place, number one qualifier. Oh yeah, no, I mean don't get me wrong. I'd have been pissed too, and I'd have been doing the same thing. But I, dude, I, I'll be completely honest. I am surprised. I thought Jason was going to hit him. I really did. The way he got up yeah. and he was tongue lashing him. Now, here's the thing, though. I don't agree with the no blame on Jason Anderson. So he clanked the fuck out of that section, and instead of going three three three, he went like three two 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 one or some shit out of yeah, there. Yeah, he fucked it up. If he goes, That's if he goes three three three, yeah. If he goes three 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 clean, he doesn't get landed on. And then at the same time, like I give partial blame to A Ray too. You know, I'm I'm about a fifty fifty split because I well, it's hard with A Ray though, because you can clearly see he goes for that three and just cross ruts. And it's like, dude, yeah. like what did you want him to do though? He didn't really know Anderson wasn't gonna jump that and he didn't know he was gonna well, cross the thing rut. Is, yes he did. The thing is he's he, you you gauge yourself off the rider in front of you, but when you ask me what the blame is Yes, Anderson fucked up, but Anderson didn't veer to the right. Anderson stayed in his line. And the rider behind you doesn't matter what the hell's going on. If I'm, up, I'm a five-year-old on the PW, it's my responsibility not to do what what, what um, Alex Ray did. It was Alex Ray's accident. It's not that it was on purpose, but 
it's on his responsibility that he landed on the guy in front of him. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, if he doesn't cross rut, he doesn't land on him. You know, it's the same thing as like if Anderson goes clean three, three, three through there, he doesn't get landed on type deal, you know? So it's like, what? how do you really it, racing accident? I think where you get, I think where we get fucked up is the fact that it's Alex Ray and Alex Ray is fucking wild all the time. It's kind of like the it's kind of like when shit happens with Vince Freeze, okay? Vince Freeze has used up all his mulligans. So whenever anything happens, it's always Vince Freeze is an asshole. Whether it's really an asshole move or not, you know. Alex Ray Usually well, when the you thing get, is, is it, with, Yeah, go ahead. Alex Ray when he gets wild, he's used up all his Oh man, like dude, he just got crossroaded like that was a fucking wild rare thing or whatever because Alex Ray is always fucking wild. So He's in a bad spot. I give Anderson credit for being on the podium and being like, you know what? I fucked up earlier. Like, I was just pissed. I shouldn't have yelled at him the way I did, but, you know, just heat of the moment type shit. So I give him credit for doing that. And I kind of figured when he goes back and watches that video, he's going to be like, well, he cross-rutted. He didn't mean to land on me, you know? It wasn't like he was following my line or whatever. So, um, but yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's hard to really split the blame pie so i'm just gonna go as a racing incident both parties are at fault and we're moving on but in the main yeah, just like when when you're watching the moto gp or formula one they gotta like go to the you know go to back to the tape and issue penalties fuck all of that if anything has happened that's racing so be it we're on to the next week yep now with uh with that being said how <laughs> if you're anderson are you more pissed you got landed on or more pissed at yourself because instead of just getting up and going, you stood there and fucking lashed at fucking A-Ray for 30 seconds and then you come up well, fucking half a bike length <laughs> short qualifying directly into the main because you did that shit Here's instead of going? Here's the thing. I believe that as you're part of your career, you kind of got to go through a couple of those things. And although it's don't get me wrong it has merit i think that there are things like that you go through to build the character that a guy like chad reed has when he's late in his career because you have to go through that kind of weird shit and grow from it right so like for jason anderson he's cute he's cool as a cucumber he's way cooler so to say than he should be as an as a elite racer he should be kind of feisty right like he was when he was pissed but uh, I think that it was important that he went through that. And the other is, it, it's one of those things that I think that it's almost a special moment when he does come up half of a bike lane short or whatever, because the miraculous ride that he got there. And it was kind of like a, it was supposed to be that way, kind of thing, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I also believe, one thing I want to really mention is I also very strongly believe in fighting. And I think that for. If, if you get into a situation like that where a guy is a dick to you and is and just oops is on you accidentally like that's freeze i really strongly believe in fighting because it would very quickly correct the issue just like <laughs> in hockey it does and it worked for a hundred years yeah i very strongly believe that like you brought up it freeze earlier and i very strongly i know I, i've been around Vince a long time i was back in the day at least and he's a really nice guy, but he does that stuff as, like, it's his mental game, if you will, when he's racing. Even if it's an oops, it's a oops kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I very strongly believe that if there is that kind of stuff in racing, that it's very important that it self-corrects itself. Not 
Not the AMA coming in and slapping them on the wrist with some fucking lame penalties because it's always it's always like it, it it's the worst for the fans because it kind of fucks it up. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know if we're right on censored show or not, but whatever. But I I really think that for for Jason Anderson that was a that was one of the things that made him a real contender at, you know, last night or whatever at Atlanta too because he came back and although you had to ride the LCQ and stuff. When he rode Piss, it was in Jason Anderson we hadn't seen in a while. And I think that he needs that. Yeah, he was he was definitely on fire last night. And there's been a fire under his ass for the last few few races here where it's like he's definitely trying to win. And the talk is definitely it's so fun to watch. He hasn't won since two thousand and eighteen. So it's it's not gonna surprise me if this last three we see him pull one off. Like it will not surprise me. I don't want to slight the other guys that are beating him right now because they're they're there because they're sick and they work so hard and everything is going great. But I think that for Jason Anderson's example, he is he still has the ability to go as fast as he can to be number one or so you know up there a little bit more. I think that it's like the taking it easy kind of thing that keeps him a little teeny bit behind a lot of the time. I think yeah. that when he's when he's pissed or whatever, that little bit of engagement. That little feistiness. I don't know, you know, if you've ever had times where you rode like that, but when you're like, I'm fucking roasting this bus today, I'm just going to be out there and take it out, whatever I'm feeling right now, and take it on the bike. I think that when Jason Anderson has that little bit of feist, he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think that when he was really good was when Cole Seeley was in there, and he would take Cole Seeley out like every single <laughs> week. And I thought that was something that gave, I honestly thought that it was something that gave a little bit of power to Jason Anderson, not in any way towards Cole Seeley, but. It just gave him that little bit, little bit of attack. Yeah, and I think that there's a couple of riders that I think that that kind of attack thing is something that Ken, Ra- Ken Roxon is lacking right now. I think it's something that Cooper Webb is very good at. I really think that that's a something that that makes Cooper Webb the 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 guy right now. Yeah, here's the so here's the one thing with Coop though. Coop has not looked good in Atlanta so far. I don't know if it's the long tracks. I don't know if it's the setup. I don't know what the hell it is, but Atlanta 1 and Atlanta 2, he has not looked good. Like, he did not look good Saturday night. He did not look good Tuesday. If he has another off day on Saturday and Kenny wins, even let's say Coop gets on the box. Let's say Coop goes second or third Saturday and Kenny wins. I mean, we're down to a 10-point race with two two races to go. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: Did you really think that Cooper Webb looked off, or did you just do you think that could it could be that Eli Tomac, Chase Sexton, and Ken Roxon were on? No, no, Webb was definitely off. Um, if Webb wasn't off, uh, Webb is on the box. Do I think he's beating Kenny? No. Do I, close. Do I think he's beating Chase? And do I think he's beating? Um, do I think he's beating Anderson? Yes. Even though Chase is riding great, and Chase is another guy that if you put him in like Salt Lake City here, I could see, and he gets a start, um, and the track's a little tighter in Salt Lake, and there's not a lot of passing or whatever, Chase could very easily get a win. He has the speed to get a win, with you know, especially if the circumstances are right. Um, Anderson looks really good. Yeah, Anderson, same way. Um, but even when those guys are on it. Webb, I feel, has almost equal the speed and three times as much racecraft to be able to get around those guys and break them. I mean, Webb is 
Webb is the Eli Tomac without quite so much just pure raw bulldogness at the end of the race, if that makes sense. He's more of a thinking his way through it than having to just absolutely outwork you and go mock fucking 10 around every corner. I mean, even last night when we got into the second half of that main, I was like, I don't know that he's out of it yet. He's not looking great, but it would not surprise me in this last 10 minutes if all of a sudden he kicks it in the gear and comes back and gets second. So the fact that he didn't kick it into gear and he, in fact, was battling with Barsha, battling with Tomac, could not go anywhere, and and then faded back. I mean, because let's face it, we haven't seen it this year. Now, one interesting stat that I did see last, was it last night on the broadcast or was it during Race Day Live? So they put up the average finish for everyone for the season. Webb is the best so far, but his average finish is only like a 5.2, which is absolutely fucking wild that it's a 5.2 and we feel like he's dominating and he's got six wins and shit like that. Because you go back to like the Dungey days, Dungey's average was like three at oh, like a three point something at worst. He was like a two point something most of the time. So it's absolutely wild. Yeah, he was always two also. Yeah, it was always. That was, that was something he was very good at. He was kind of the first rider that I remember in history that was so good. And dominating by taking second all the time. Pody- he would win. He, there was a couple seasons where he won a lot, but there was a lot of seasons. There was a lot of times when he was up there because he would fucking take great seconds every every weekend. Podium you to death, dude. Podium you to death. I mean, dude, when I first got back into this in 2014, it would piss me off that he was so close to the title or like right in the title fight or even when he was winning the last like three years there. <laughs> I was so mad because it's like, dude. I want the guy who wins to be the best guy, to be the guy that wins the most races, et cetera. So I'm watching Tomac, you know, dominate nine races a year and have a couple really bad ones. And then Dungey's winning the title. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. He is not the fastest guy. Like, I get it. Law of averages, all this shit. I completely understand that. But it still pissed me off to no end because in my mind, I'm like, this is just not how this works. If you're as fast as Tomac, where you can fucking go out and beat this guy by 30 seconds, like, you should be winning. And so it was just wild to me to see, like, someone leading who were all like, man, he's he's been so dominant this year, like, struggled a little bit in the beginning, but still, you know, can pull it off and have decent finishes, and it's like, his average is a 5.2. It's just, it was wild to me. It was absolutely wild. So, just shows the inconsistency and, I guess, how deep the field really is at this point, you know? Just like we've all preached on every on all these shows, everyone across every podcast network, deepest field ever, deepest field ever, and then it's like, man, you get down to it, and it's like, well, we got twenty two factory dudes, <laughs> you know. And so, I mean, you have guys that are past champions that are literally fighting for their life for a sixth to ninth place finish. It says a lot about Kevin Moran too. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm really excited about that, young man. Yep, he has a bright future ahead of himself. So, um, okay, so continuing on, 450s here. I mean, we already kind of touched on it. Sexton has been looking good. Two second places in a row here at Atlanta. I think when you get him... he's been looking really good, too. What a good guy. Dude, you get him another year or two out here where he can kind of smooth himself out 
and have and not you know get hurt, miss two rounds, and then come back and get hurt and miss three rounds and then come back. I mean, you're looking at a major title contender. I feel like because his speed is there. The thing that the thing that he needs to learn the most is from James Stewart. So James Stewart was the guy at going from last to first, passing two guys in the corner and stuff. <laughs> and I think that's the Chase Sexton has all the skill. He's one of the most talented guys in the field. But the thing is, is that he kind of looks like he's he's riding really fast. He doesn't look like he's out there like the track is trying to contain him. He's going so fast. He's going really fast, but he's not like James would literally square up a corner and pass somebody in a bull turn right up the middle, and it was amazing. Right. So he, I want to see him learn that skill, and nobody will be able to touch him then. Yep. Yep, if he can learn that, he's going to be, dude, it's going to be wild. It, fuck, if he could stay off the ground, it's going to be wild, you know? Yeah. So, um, okay, uh, who else we got? Well, Kenny. Um, I mean, Kenny goes out and wins, and this isn't like anything strange we've seen from Kenny before. I mean, look at Salt Lake last year. He had shit round after shit round after shit round, and then all of a sudden, like, three in, he wins. Like, just going away wins. So... Yeah. Um, this isn't strange to see. Now, one fun fact, I'm not sure because you obviously don't listen to as much stuff as I do. All these residencies we've had so far, so Dallas, um, uh, Indy, even Orlando, which even though it was only two, whatever, um, yeah. whoever wins the first one has won the rest of them. Kenny won all three in Indy, Coop won both of them in Orlando, and then Coop won all three in Arlington. So huh. it's super weird that Tomac wins the first one. And then Kenny wins the second one. So weird. Doesn't follow the pattern we've seen all year, but kind of nice at the same time because at least, you know, we're getting some parody here in these last yeah. few rounds. And I mean, it's, I mean, Ken it's really. Ken needs to win this next one too. Who? Ken needs to win this next one too. Yeah. He really, I'm super interested to see how Saturday goes. Like, is he going to just yeah. go back to, you know, getting a shit start and he's in 10th place and can't go anywhere? Or is he going to, you know, get a start, be up front, and then, you know, hopefully do something? I mean, his only his only job at this point is finish ahead of Webb. Whatever you got to do, finish ahead of Webb. Now, the sad part is... I'm going to predict it right now. I'll predict it right now what's going to happen. Ken Roxon and, and Cooper Webb, Cooper had the opportunity to punt Ken Roxon in this race. I'm watching it right now again. And and he didn't take that opportunity. And we've been saying for for weeks, and a lot of people, including myself, have been saying that Ken Rossi needs to come in and send Cooper Webb into the third row and make a statement. Well, Cooper would have the opportunity to with this race, and he didn't. But I think that in this next race, someone's going either either down in the heat of ballot in the heat of battle, or somebody's getting taken out big time. I think that's going to be what happens this week. The only way that's going to happen is if Webb takes Kenny out. That's the only way it works. I. I um I was talking about this with Coach Rob the other night. So there was an interview they did with Kenny talking about Battle and Webb and you know are they are they rivals and this kind of shit, right? And Kenny brought up the what was it? 2018? Yeah, 2018 when he tried to take Webb out in that corner in like San Diego or something, fucked it up and then got his other arm caught in in uh web swing arm right and the way he talked about it and everything kenny will never make a move where he has to go in and punt someone ever again you could tell he was he was he's scared of it he's a hundred percent scared that it's going to go wrong like that um so yeah so you will never 
I will honestly probably shit my pants um, if Ken actually does that. I mean, he had opportunities the other night. There was, uh, especially in the first couple corners, like Webb was on the outside of him. And all Kenny had to do, and he kind of did, but not really. Like, Kenny went wider than he should have just to kind of drive Webb to the outside. But it was like, no, 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 no. I'm giving up spots to other people, and I'm driving Webb off the top of the berm. But Kenny didn't do that. And I, like I said, I don't think you'll see it, man. I honestly do not think you will see Ken Roxon make any sort of move like that. Now, he needs to. I'm 100% with McGrath, and everyone else is saying it, of if Kenny would go in there and just tee him up and fucking put him down, You would, yeah. I think you would see a different level of respect from Webb towards Kenny. And then all of a sudden... Maybe like on that, eh? Yeah, and then all of a sudden the racing would be different because it would be... Because right now I'm just like everyone else, so I'm just repeating basically what everyone else is saying. Webb knows that Kenny is his bitch when it comes to getting aggressive with riding. I don't believe that Webb wow. has outright... It's 100% true, man. Webb can say whatever he wants to in public. I bet you if I go to the practice track with him and I'm one of his buddies shooting the shit, he's like, that dude's a fucking bitch. Like, I can go into any corner, I can put him off the top of the berm, and he isn't going to do shit to me. He's going to run his mouth on the podium or whatever after the race or in an interview after the race and say he's going to do this and do that. He's not going to do shit. Where it's like, if I mean, it basically works out to the bully and the person getting bullied mentality. And I believe that if Kenny would just walk up and punch Webb in the fucking face, a.k.a. tee him up and put him over a berm, the whole situation would change. All of a sudden, Webb is now thinking twice, like, yeah, you're going to fire Webb up, but then you're also going to put that little kernel in the back of his mind of like, fuck, if I go in here and I try to take him out in this corner and it doesn't work and he's in a position, then he can, then he'll take me out in the next corner. Where right now, Webb doesn't have that fear. Webb's like, dude, I'll drive in. I'll fucking put him over the back side of that berm. I'll ride right away from him. And if he catches me, he's not going to do anything anyway. So fuck it, whatever. One hundred percent believe that man. Like that is one hundred percent what's going on right now. So, and honestly, it's like what do you think, Mister Barsha? I want to. I really, I'm really curious about about Justin Barsha right now because here he is, round fourteen, battling for fourth. I think he got yeah, and going going neck and neck with Cooper Webb on the last lap when Cooper goes down. Right. Well. Yeah, we got the top four, and it's still the top four. Like that, that hasn't happened in a long time. We haven't had all of our contender guys be healthy in a season in as long as I can remember. Well, Barsha's not 100% healthy. I mean, he took that handlebar to the chin on Saturday night and fucking oh, true. ended up having to get stitches or whatever. But no, he, I mean, he looks okay, man. He just, <coughs> his speed is just a tick off. Like for some reason, he brings it in the first round every year and then cannot repeat after that. So I just speed a little bit off, or here's the thing. If you think about both classes, both two fifty and four fifty, the winner is also the guy that was leading the first lap. Do you think that if Justin Marshall was leading the first lap, battling with Cooper Webb at that pace, and all you know, still all the way out that far out, he's he's at least the pace of those guys. Do you think that Justin Marshall with a whole shot like kind of Ken Roxon got would not be leading the race again? Man, I don't know. No, I don't feel like that because I feel like... So if you start Webb, Kenny, Eli, and Barsha, 
like literally side by side there. Um, the first couple corners, I still, especially the way Kenny rode the other night, I still give it to Kenny. Kenny's fast twitch, AKA his sprint speed for the first two, three laps on a track this big is fucking unreal. Like no one can touch it, man. No, he rides as fast those first two, three laps on that track as Tomac or Webb would put it, put down the last three laps. Like Kenny's not as fast yeah. later on in the race, but man, his first, his first five, we'll just call it first five minutes, first 25% of the race is fucking unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And that's how Kenny's races work. It's taken, it's taken a while for me to really dial it in and fig and like notice it. And it, it's a hundred percent how it works. Like if you watch the races, Kenny wins, he hole shots, he sprints for like the first five minutes, builds up this huge lead. And you can tell when it's going to happen because he will, just like the other night, he'll put two and a half, three seconds a lap on him. And if he does that like two, three laps in a row, um, and then, yeah, then he's probably going to win. If you look at it like, uh, shit, what was it? Uh, Arling Arlington three where we all thought he was going to, and then Webb came back and got him again. He didn't yeah. put, he put five seconds on him, but it was like over the course of the first eight minutes. So they had done, I don't know, 10 laps, 11 laps already. And he'd only put eight seconds on him. So I was like, Oh boy, yeah. this is going to be close. Cause the second half of the race, I knew Webb would come on there and sure shit he did um because i know the end of the race like kenny is not as strong he is absolutely not as strong and i'm not sure how the outdoors is going to go for him to be completely honest because i'm not sure if it's a health thing or if it's literally just his his uh, his riding style now um i mean obviously the last time we saw him ride outdoors he was really fucking good and we've seen him ride <laughs> super fucking good in outdoors and win like 20 out of 24 motos, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. So it's it's one of those things. It's just like even on Saturday night here, this coming Saturday, if if you watch it, if Kenny's looking good all day, he's towards the top of the board, he's feeling it. If he goes out those first two to three laps and puts down like six seconds on those guys, okay, cool, he's probably going to win. If he's five seconds or less, he's in trouble. <laughs> I mean, <All> right. <laughs> it, dude, it's uh, go back and watch the races. I'm telling you, you go back to all three of those indies. What did he do? He whole shot the race. He laid down five minutes of absolute fucking blistering, like get the hell out of yeah. Dodge pace. And he fucking coasted in for the win. It is so hard. If you don't get the whole shot to make up that time, because whoever's out front is just going all out. Like that's, it's very difficult. Once the pack kind of goes uh, single file through the, the racetrack, if you will. Now let it's me. It's very difficult to, to run down the leader because they have you know clean air in front of them, nothing else, for a long time. Yeah. Now let me ask you this: These Atlanta tracks are huge. Okay, Supercross on steroids is what we're calling it. <clears throat> Obviously, I love these tracks. I absolutely fucking love these tracks. They're they're fucking great. But do you feel like the track so far? And obviously, it was you know, the same track just backwards, basically. Do you feel like it, uh, there hasn't been a lot of passing done in it? Uh, yes, no. So yes, because if you're going to have it be that fast, you have to make it wider. I've been saying the whole year on this show that we need to make the tracks wider. And when you have a, a track, same width as the other ones, but a whole year faster, it makes the track come across as narrower. It's harder to pass because you have to carry so much speed through all the corners. 
especially when you got like 45 degree corners, yep. everybody kind of goes to the middle of the apex. Uh, it cuts a lot of passing out because of that. However, I think that this track, both of both Atlanta races, but especially this last one, was one of the funnest looking motocross or supercross tracks I've ever seen. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So much so that it has me considering coming out of retirement, not to really race, <laughs> but put a helmet on again. Yeah, because it looks fun as hell. Yep. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm with you. I love it. I think that these these big the, these big tracks are are awesome. Um, but again, I don't feel like there was necessarily a ton of passing. Now, with that being said, uh, contradicting your argument there of the whole track being narrower or whatever, or, you know, they need to widen it a little bit. Um, I will agree that yes, that's something that probably needs to be done, but the guys are actually talking about how open the track feels and what I think Daniel Blair said on race day live is yes, of course it feels more open when you're in the stadium, they take these tough blocks and it's literally end-to-end touching tough blocks right when they're out here on this huge track they don't have enough tough blocks to do that so the tough blocks are spread out it feels more open because like tomac and them had made comments about how open the track felt um that's cool so so yes it probably probably if we had tough blocks literally lining in to end that track it probably would feel a lot narrower strictly for the fact of like you said the speeds are so much higher but because the speeds are higher but the tough blocks aren't end to end. So you feel like you have places where you could get off if you really needed to type deal. I think it feels yep. okay. Um, but I will agree with you too. Like those 45 degree corners, like, like that's that whole straightaway rhythm section with the checkup jumps and the sand section, everything that runs, whatever they keep saying, like 1500 feet from turn one to turn four. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. But those 45 degree kinks in there are, I mean, like you said, it's a fucking single line through there it's a goat trail basically there was a couple of cool passes in there so i remember in the 250 main uh mitchell harris made a sweet pass in there and i was like wow because you go you, you, if you're on the left side so to say and you go over that hump uh well there's another couple pass that i was about to mention but there's for like mitchell harrison's one he went and he cut under so he went way left and then he held left and then he cut just kind of squared up and he made a fit pass in that but here's the thing i watched later in the day uh, 450 main, Jason Anderson bunny hopped the roller on the inside and it was so sick, so sick. That, that's the Jason Anderson shit that, that makes him uh, incredible. And it, what we were talking earlier about some of the things that Chase Sexton needs to learn about, like when I mentioned James Stewart um, kind of squaring up a bolter and passing somebody, it's exactly what I just witnessed Jason Anderson do on Cooper Webb. Absolutely fan, fantastic pass. Coming out of the whoops wide open and just and hit the outside and pivot and go straight across the, the corner and then pivot and pass Cooper Webb. Cooper yep. didn't know what the hell hit him right there. Yep. Amazing. Now, when you were talking about bunny hopping over that roller, you're talking that 45 where they were coming, they came over the like tunnel jump there and then it like 45 and on the inside there was that big ass anthill or whatever that they were kind of going over yeah that, yeah yeah towards the end of the 450 main i it took me a few times seeing it but yeah it, it actually it got pocketed out before it so like there were well, multiple. Actually, it wasn't after the it wasn't after the the uh tunnel jumps so there's a wolf section and then there's like a big double kind of like a triple a couple more whoops and then a right hand bull turn a double and then this 45 right or 45 left 45 right and it's like when you go 45 left, there's that jump the hill thing. And then through the next right-hander, there's kind of a whoop section through it. And we, there was a couple of guys 
namely Jason Anderson coming at it and hitting the, the roller before the corner and, and bunny hopping over that uh, inside roller. Okay. So sick. That's swag daddy shit right there. When you come yep. at it like that, that's sweet. Yep. I learned when I was racing, I learned from Dusty Clatt in, in uh, Canada doing like a Walton or something, a Walton or something. And I watched Dusty Clatt come at some braking bumps. And he was the first person I'd ever witnessed bunny hop them and, and like rhythm through through breaking bus. And I couldn't believe what I witnessed. And I and that's kind of one of those things that we just witnessed here with Jason Anderson in that corner like that. I'm sure there was other guys, but there's a couple little special things you'll you'll see, and that's one. Yep. Well, and then that corner where that roller was on the inside, where you go through the through the little zigzag there or whatever. Towards the mm-hmm. like end of the 250 race, they were starting to make the outside work where it was just as fast so it wasn't quite as one lined but it took all day to get that worked in so um anything else with 450s that you want to talk about oh man i just watched ken roxon do that same thing on that roller running yeah that's so sick yeah i told you i, saw uh, a I want to give an honorable <laughs> mention to a couple guys so Ferrandis looked good again he he went down and didn't have shit for a finish but he, he he i felt that he rode well which is nice when he's trying to make you know get somewhere with it yeah uh, i like to see that and i also want to give honorable mention to justin barsha i barely mentioned him earlier but fuck way to go way to go young man because that uh to be at round 14 still and be up there with those guys and battling and passing cooper webb on the last lap when cooper kind of snagged his back tire over that roller yep like justin marsh is going he isn't fucking around and that's what we want to see out of him yeah buddy yeah buddy so all right, cool, man. Well, <clears throat> let's move on to the story of the night, man. 250 class. <sighs> Dude, can we just put a Superman jersey on Cameron McAdoo and just call it a fucking day? <laughs> I mean, unfucking real. Unreal. The first thing that came to my mind is that's going to be on his opening ceremony thing it's too bad that the 250 guys don't get opening ceremonies because that should be on the video oh my god dude if he can ever if he ever gets in a spot where he can't get a ride i would just get that video on my phone and just push it across the desk to every team manager and be like do you want a guy that does this or do you want a guy that quits because i mean dude, i don't know how long his contract is but i know one thing for sure is that mitch payton was smiling last night. <laughs> it, he was probably really stressed for a minute, thinking that his, he had another guy out of it. But when he saw what had happened with Mr. McAdoo coming back and taking third, and even just coming back, period, to be made out of rubber like that is remarkable. I bet Mitch Payton was proud to see him be tough. Dude, I don't know how long. to come out and fucking hang out on a bent-up bike, it's, it's, it really says something about his character, and that's what you like to see. 100%. I mean... That bike was bent to shit after that. And, and it's so hard to ride. Fans at home don't know. When you have bent bars alone, oh, if your bars off. are bent, yeah. it's hard as hell to ride, let alone blitzing whoops in a supercross track. Dude, yeah. No way. No way. I I give him credit because I don't know that that would have been. I mean, I was talking to Coach Rob when that was going on. Um, and, I mean, Rob had some thoughts because, you know, the way he smashed his head, it's like, dude. Does he have a concussion? Does he not have a concussion? And, I mean, you know, none of us, including Coach Rob, none of us were faulting him for wanting to keep riding. The question was just the safety of himself and other people of, like, dude, if you do have a concussion, and even though you seem like you're in it right now, if you get 10 minutes into this race and all of a sudden you're seeing triple and you're not pulling off, 
Like that creates a problem. So it it definitely brings up the concussion protocol thing. But man, dude, you cannot. Oh man, that was just that was wild. I don't know if I would have done that. I mean, I would like to think in my younger years when I was his age, yeah, I'd have done the same fucking thing. I'd have smashed myself in there and oh, I can ride. Okay, cool. Let's go fucking ride, dude. I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go Back lay this I down. Was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, dude. Now I do that. Nah, I'm good. I'm not riding the rest of the year. I'm done. Park the bike. Let's order some parts. We'll rebuild it. It can sit there till next season. Well, I don't have much of an opinion because I'm retired, but maybe when I, uh, if and when I start riding here before long, I'll have an opinion on that. I really think that what we saw from him was such a character thing. And for, for what it's worth, I think that Eddie uh, can see us or whoever it was that was helping him at, on you know trackside. I think that they did it. They handled it just fine with kind of checking them out. You can tell, like between being a racer that had been knocked out my fair share or, or fucked up, you know, you hit your head, you just confess or whatever. Yeah. And having been a, a youth hockey coach, like you get, you can kind of tell you, if, if you know somebody or if you've seen them before, or if you're talking to somebody that just crashed and they're, they're real alert and they seem fine. They just slammed. They know. They know they might, there might, there might be one that bullshit did, but you can tell, you know what I mean? Like if he, yeah. he on the live TV, uh, was, you could tell he was kind of explaining everything that happened and he looked like he was, he was alert. Oh yeah. Uh, so it didn't seem like he got knocked out or anything. He got slammed like, fuck, he got so slammed. Yeah. But it seemed like he was laying there like coming to when he had that confusion on his leg, not that he was seeing, you know, seeing stars. Yeah, so what I, a slam though. Holy smokes. Yeah, so I forgot you didn't watch it on the app. So when you watch it on the app, um when they go to commercial, you're just looking at an open view of the track basically. So yeah. on TV where you went to commercial and you know you're just watching the commercials, we weren't doing that. We were watching and they actually um that little bit of audio you heard when they came back, it was much longer than that and they were playing that during that commercial break and we're all texting each other going this kid's trying to fucking wow. race. Like, he just fucking died. Literally, Cole texted me, and he was like, I don't know how my man's not paralyzed right now. And I'm like, dude, I don't know either. And then and then to hear that just coming up, it's like, and he's literally talking to Alpine Stars guy. He's like, dude, Bogner just cleared me. I'm good. I'm going to go ride. And the dude's like, no, I'm here to clear you, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, no, I'm good. And he's like, no, no, I'm here to clear you. What just happened? And he's like, well, I went three, two and nose picked the fuck out of it. <laughs> Torpedoed myself and, uh, <laughs> you know, ended up on top. And so, dude, I'll be honest. When I first saw that from the angle on the side, I thought he fell yeah. off the bridge too. And I'm like, oh, he's dead. Like, dude, that bridge is so fucking high. Like the, uh, what was it? Saturday's race in the heat race when, of course, McAdoo tries to scrub that, loses traction, and lands sideways on the <laughs> knuckle of the landing. I told Coach Rob, I'm like, literally, when my bike lands sideways on a landing that steep, that high in the air, I shit my pants right there. Like, I could keep racing if the bike was straight, but there was shit in my pants that whole time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so when I saw that the first time, and I thought he fell off because you couldn't really see him on the other side of the bike, I was like, oh, my God, he's dead. Like, dude, he yeah. just torpedoed himself knocked himself out and then fell 15 feet to his death like that's fucking wild that's a wicked one because his knee brace close the bar like that like i'm gonna do that when i went on the bar but not like that like yeah crazy right dude that whipped him so, back up so a bit, we were talking about when he went down the, the other time it's crazy to have one rider crash twice in a week on the, the same, same job 
that's I know. Gotta be, that's got to be something on his head a little bit. But the, I, I really think that something that didn't get mentioned much, maybe that's because I don't listen to any other podcast at all, but uh, I, I I really thought that part of him going down at the last race with uh, on that over-under, I think that it was because Hunter Lawrence ran it in on him and didn't hit him, but was leaning on him a little bit and made it slide out. I really think that that had a lot to do with it. I don't know for sure, but... I think the, the the broadcast didn't say shit about it. Ricky Carmichael was probably just busy saying it was a mistake. So <laughs> I'm not 100% sure that was the thing. So what all the guys were saying was that that track was much slicker when they started in the heats there than what they all thought. They all looked at it and thought, oh, it was okay. Because um, when they had the rain delay in the afternoon and everything, supposedly it was... It was drizzling, but it wasn't like downpouring, downpouring. And then, of course, the sun came yeah. out and it started looking a little better. And so, like I said, they um, they all said, Tomac and everyone said that, like, man, that was so much slicker than we thought. So I don't really know that it was a Hunter Lawrence thing. I think it literally was McAdoo thought there was going to be more traction going up that and he could scrub that harder. And then, obviously, you know, if it's slicker than you think you're fucking trying to scrub hard as shit and you just lose traction on the rear wheel. And of course you're, you know, torquing the bike. So it's just going to go sideways. So yeah, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent. I mean, you may be onto something a little bit there, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that that was the, that was the issue. If it was dry, I would say, yeah, you're totally right. Like Lawrence leaned it in on him and you know, whatever caused it caused a reaction. But, um, with the way the track was that day, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. So, um, what do you think the chances is McAdoo could even get out of bed this morning? And I don't know. He was, the thing is, is that when you're, well, I think he's eighteen, maybe nineteen. Let me see. Oh, it doesn't say on here, but uh, he's, he's young, right? And he's I'm he's not probably young. I'm, I'm thirty-one now, and it doesn't feel the same, right? So I got trying to think back to when when I was that age. I felt like I was pretty much rubber, and maybe I kind of was. I crashed all the time, and most of the time I wasn't injured. But and he really hit hard, right? Yeah. So like to think that he was available, that he was that he was able to do what he did, whether it was on uh, adrenaline alone or whatever, is saying something. But I I really think that uh, that's really saying something about how fucking he ba- he bounced back like that because man, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, now getting away from that, Justin Cooper goes out, does what he needs to do hole shots both times and uh wire to wire wins it extends the points lead out to nine um so it's still doable for McAdoo especially with the east-west shootout um but I definitely think that McAdoo has to do something Saturday like McAdoo needs to finish in front of him even if it means that they're playing cat and mouse and they end up say second third third and fourth whatever um so it's definitely not out of reach, but it's getting to the point that's like, well, McAdoo, you got to stop the bleeding here, man. Like you're going to have to actually beat Justin Cooper. Um, and again, I think that I truly think that it's going to be uh, Cooper's wrongdoing. That I think that's yeah, what, the, what happened. I I would wholeheartedly agree with you because I don't think that Cooper has it all figured out yet, where he can just consistently. I mean, we've seen it already this year. Look at Daytona. So, um. So yeah, so Justin Cooper. I kind of look at him now as like the so the James Bond, right? I think that I think that he's kind of like the the James Bond villain, and he kind of looks like it too. But I think that Matthew and Hunter Lawrence are coming for him pretty quickly, right? So oh, dude, it'll be really interesting to see how the next couple of rounds there. Hunter Lawrence looks super fucking good. Hunter Lawrence, oh man, them boys next year are in trouble. Once he has figured this out here, where he can stay healthy. 
I mean, dude, look at it. He's he's on what? What are we? We got two two more to go. So he's done seventy to two. So he's done nine Supercross races, nine. And he is has won one. He has Spider Man down the net and still finished top five in one. And he has now gotten what two seconds in a row. I mean, dude, he is. They're in trouble because he is figuring it out and he's figuring it out quickly. So, yeah, there he is. He is one of those guys that I think is quietly, sneakily, very, very good this year. And then all of a sudden next year he's going to come out and just dominate, and you're going to be like, "Holy shit, where did this come from?" And then you're going to look back and be like, well, "Oh fuck, I guess he was, you know, second, second, third, yeah. fifth, won a race, you know, whatever." It sucks that he's sixteen points down because he's that fucking close. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. I don't trust McAdoo, obviously, as we've seen, or Cooper. And all it takes is one night for both of them to go down here. Like, you get to Saturday night, they both go down on the start or something. I mean, and they... You get a Hammaker, you get a Nate Thrasher, you get one of those guys up front checking a couple of spots in there, Mitchell Harrison. I was going to say, they get sixth or seventh place, both of them. You know, say they're right with each other, so they go six, seven, seven, eight, whatever, and Hunter wins. And all of a sudden, you've now got a three-horse race that's all within 10 points going into Salt Lake City. I mean... It it could get really interesting here, depending upon how Saturday goes. So the fans at home, this is the guy that just said this very true statement. Used to be previously in round two of of the uh, of the two hundred and fifty SX West point standings. In round two, Travis was saying that it was a two horse race. So I'm very happy to see that this is what's happening right now. <laughs> oh God, Jesus, get off of it, man! Get off of it. So, um. Nate Thrasher's gained some confidence, though, with winning that race the other yeah, night. He looked good. Yep. Yes, he does. Now, does that continue to carry? Yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, we saw Styles Robertson. He had a really good race at Daytona. Hasn't done a whole lot since then, you know. Um, Is he obvi- obviously, what? Is he healthy right now? Uh, I don't remember. If he has something he had a qualifying crash, right? going on, I don't know. I think he's okay. I don't remember. But he hasn't done a whole lot since that Daytona podium. And then you have, um, and obviously he had uh, Hamaker win that one race, and he's been pretty fast. Yep. But then you look at last night, dude, and it's like he didn't get a start, and he didn't, he's fast, but he kind of just got to like the top 10 and then that was pretty much where he stalled out at so yeah um who else we got here he did just win the previous race though right so yeah he did he He really he did and that you know that was an interesting situation the track was a little bit interesting i mean you're on a new track uh size wise obviously that everybody's kind of like what the fuck's going on i mean dude they were talking i think the 450 main on uh I don't know about last night, but on Saturday it was only like twelve laps. Like <laughs> they go from doing these yeah. these small stadiums where they're doing That's like twenty nine laps, and they now they're doing twelve. So and they yeah, all the, were the running. Fifty main was eleven laps. That's yeah, amazing. And I mean, they're all running on you know they were all running on one session of practice. That was all they got Saturday. So there might have been yeah. some extenuating circumstances there um, because not not only that, too, you look at he went to the LCQ in a track that was drastically changing from heat races to main event. So he got one last look at it. I mean, 
again, good on him. And he had a great race. Like he killed it yeah. on Saturday. Um, and looked really, really good and really, really racy last night too. But I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in it. I'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see how the rest of the series goes. And then we'll come into next year and see. I mean, you got his teammate. Hunter Lawrence is his number one fan right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. He's like, yeah, just run second. Stay behind me. We're good. We're good. We're good. Keep those other guys back there. <laughs> so, um, Pierce Brown, rough night, crash in practice. Um, you've got, uh, who else we got here? Who else we got? Uh, Jarrett Fry, another rough night. Yeah. Um, we've got Carson Mumford. Uh, again, fantasy killer, never changed Carson. Thank you for, uh, you know, I don't know if he even started the main, um, but thank you for looking good all day, making the main and then not running one single lap of it and costing me a bunch of fantasy points. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can we talk about our boy? We were talking about, we were previously talking about how the previous two, um, residences were sweeps. I just remembered the Eli Tomac one last the last race at Atlanta one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what I said. Eli, we got a mix going here. And yeah, which is good. I kind of, I kind of hope that he doesn't win the next one. I really kind of do, and I, I don't wish any bang bad on him, but I really like to see Kenny or somebody, somebody cool, somebody that's out there that isn't Eli Tomac win it. I would like to see Kenny win it strictly for the fact of then it makes things really interesting going into Salt Lake because then we're down to like uh, ten points. So yeah, makes things super interesting, but I don't know. We'll see. So, um, uh, yeah. Can we talk about, uh, talk about our, our Michigan's own Mitchell Harrison? Man. So good. I'm so happy to see him doing well. I'm ready to, I'm ready to see him on the box. Does, I don't know how to say this and not make it sound mean. So he probably won't ever talk to me or come on the show again. He fades, man. Like, you think so? Well, it, so there, there's one of two things, man. He either fades because of something, you know, whether it's a fitness issue, whether whatever, or he straight up just is not as fast as those guys. One of the two. Hmm. I feel like I can get a much better answer out of you than out of Justin because Justin's just going to get pissed off and start, you know, spitting and face red and everything <laughs> else. He's fine. But... um. But yeah, he, dude, I mean, I've been watching him, obviously, you know, he's been on the show, yeah. I met him, obviously he's a Michigan boy, so we're all, we're all keeping an eye on him a little bit more than some of the other guys, um, but I yep. mean, dude, realistically, uh, he gets good starts, he's up front, and then he just fades, oh, you know, and I mean, could it be, could it be a bike situation, you know, I mean, we all know that the Honda 250 is the like one of the slowest 250s. I don't know if it is the slowest. I don't know if the even uh, a race bike though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Those uh, my I mean, any my race under bike I've ever been around in recent days has been pretty damn fast. My understanding is those Geico bikes were pretty big turds, and he's not on a Geico bike. He's on a muck off Honda. So yeah. I'm doubtful that that thing. And from all the reviews I've read and heard, the uh, the stock 250s. Um, the Honda is the lowest on power and the slowest turns great. Yeah. But you can't compare the, the thing about it is you can't compare a race bike and a stock bike. The thing that yeah. always kind of drove me nuts about the, the magazine reviews is they always go off of stock bikes, but nobody that races anybody 
ride the stock bike. They get a suspension done, they get their pipe, they get yeah. all the bullshit. Maybe they don't spend a lot of money, but I always thought that was something that was so stupid about uh, magazine reviews because literally nobody rides stock bikes. So if you're going to give something a bad grade because it's got a, it sounds like a sewing machine with a shitty pipe on it or whatever. Yeah. That's, I always thought that was so weird. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying, okay, so even if you go, let's say we go apples to apples, okay? So obviously that muck-off Honda is not going to be anywhere near a Pro Circuit Cowie or a Star Yamaha. Those are fucking rocket ships, okay? And Maybe, but the thing is is that we would make, so I haven't been in the in the racing gig for a little bit, but we we would not, we almost never pick the fastest engine for our race bikes because it was not as rideable. Yeah. So maybe the, maybe they have, they have a little bit better peak or whatever they got going because Pro Circuit and those guys are an unbelievable. But I don't think that they're having any issue finding power. I think that all the bikes are pretty damn good right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know, man. Look, I'm trying. Allegedly, the Yamaha is super sick. Yeah. I I mean, so that that's just where I go, though. The Yamaha is so good stock that that... If you do anything to that motor, I mean, it literally is turning into a rocket ship. And I can attest to that somewhat because I've, I I have a, a brand new, you know, 250F Yamaha. So it's like, even if you even if you get down to like the Club MX bikes, okay, which is like, we'll call it the second tier team. So the Muckoff Honda, the Club MX, March Bank. Yamaha. Yeah, dude, I have to think that March Bank's bike is still putting down... Four horse, five five horse more than that muckoff Honda. I have to think that it's got. You really be- think so? There oh yeah, no fucking way, dude. There's no way. I'm here, dude. I mean, you need to come ride my you Yamaha. You understand what five horsepower is? Yeah, it's a lot. I know, but dude, you need you need to come ride my Yamaha because that'll probably change your mind. You'll be like, fuck, you are right. I mean, I'm telling the new Yamahas. I'm not t- the brand new ones, but the same generation. They're, don't get me wrong, Yamaha's are good, but they're not. Even even to go, what I'm kind of getting at here is that, that you don't have all of the race teams out there have such good engine packages. They're already good from the start, and if you do a bunch of shit to them, you got a lot of power, right? So and most of the time, they don't pick the fastest one, and you can go off of okay, the top one's great, so you just put a couple of parts in it because it's not how it is on a pack of team, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that the bike couldn't be better. I'm not saying that it isn't better, but if you're telling me that a, that a factory Honda, Jet Lawrence, for example, is five horsepower slower than the Yamaha team, you're crazy. And if you think that the, whatever factory Honda's got going, that the Muckoff uh, satellite team isn't kind of close to that, I don't think you're you're right on that either. I have a hard time believing that the I think, Yamaha. I think you should call Jeremy. I think you should call Jeremy Martin and talk to him. Yeah, that was true. I think he would. I think he would tell you some things about that Honda bike compared to that Star Yamaha that would blow your mind. That is interesting, isn't it? Uh huh. I've I've heard some things through the grapevine through people of him talking about the two and. Dude, those Hondas are. Craig was talking about saying that too, and he's not even. Uh, yeah, significant. He's kind of the most. He's the most partial of any of them. Yeah, significantly slower is my understanding. Like significantly, like the fact that Jmart took that points race as far as he did last year against Ferrandis on that Yamaha is blows people's minds. 
because mm. yeah so so i don't know exact numbers man but i'm telling you significantly and i'm trying to give an out here that's not a a knock on on mitchell's you know physical yeah. capability yeah. you know I'm trying to come up with different options. That's not just like, well, man, you're either just straight up not as fast, or your your fitness is off somehow. So, I mean, I don't know. No one knows what's going on. But all I'm saying is, he gets great starts, and he fades. And granted, fading is still a top ten dude in this in this uh, heavy heavy, you know, two fifty west, whatever the fuck they're calling it, division this year which is still great. He's still awesome. But I'm just trying to figure out, like, what's the deal? Because with the starts he gets, you know, you would think it's like, man, he should be landed on the box type deal. So, but... I mean, he did get six, right? But he was 26 seconds back. So yeah. Like, he's 26 seconds back, and he starts there, right at the front. So it, it just makes me question things. And again, like I said, I feel like I can get a much better perspective from you than <laughs> from Justin. <laughs> Justin's a little jaded on his view of Mitchell. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know particularly what was his issue. I guess you would say, but I, I will tell you what. For uh, if you forget about the twenty-six seconds and sixth place, I thought that he's looking really good. He is. Some of the, the the move that he was making was was aggressive, and I was really happy to see that because not everybody. <laughs> When you're on a weird track like this and it's really fast, it's going to be aggressive. And then see him out there uh, making creative passes, of, you know, like in that corner with the uh, with the rollers in it and shit like that. Yeah, that's what you want to see. Way to go! I don't know if he faded or not. I can't say about. I can't attest to that. But sixth race is pretty good. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm not specifically saying this race. I'm saying overall. But he has definitely looked much better, in my opinion, from what I can tell. This is probably the best he's looked supercross wise for an entire season. Um, you know, since I've Man, really I wish been. you would have seen on pro circuit. I truthfully do. I'm nothing against the Honda team. Uh, like that's great and all, but I really, uh, I think that having him been on Mitch's team brings a little bit extra confidence to him. And I think that it's a shame that he doesn't have the opportunity this year, but maybe after these, uh, good rides, we'll be getting another sweet opportunity next. Yeah, maybe. We'll see, Hopefully man. Hopefully he does well outdoor, outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping too. So. Is I, but the, one thing I noticed during the race that I thought was really cool for some of these guys is that this Atlanta dirt, uh, Georgia red clay with some of that that sand in there, really suited the guys that spent a lot of time at MCF, GPF, and that Georgia oh, yeah. area. Oh yeah, and I thought that was uh, that was interesting to watch because there was it was such good racing, and then you got guys like Mitchell that spent a lot of time down there. Yep, it's like yes, way to go. Yep, one hundred percent agree with that, man. Um. All right, I don't have anything else left on the docket to talk about. So, anything else you want to touch on here? No, we're looking pretty good. I, I really, uh, I look forward to the. I love these these what we're calling residents. These, uh, I really love when you have a bunch of racing and uh, together. And I hope to Remy, see stop. I was actually talking to some of the guys with that uh, distributor today. I really like to see that they have multi race weeks in the coming years because I think it, it brings a lot to the sport. I, I really think that having more races. Uh, maybe not so many weekends, right? So yeah. uh, maybe you do two ten round circuits, like a two east, east, east and west, or both ten rounds or whatever. Yep. But if they did more of the weekday races, where you have a two or three race stint at a at a city, I think that it makes the it brings a lot of value to the sport, and I like to see that continue. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it too. Um, the amount of shows I have to do in a week is a little bit of a pain in the ass, but hey, whatever. You know, we're here, we're doing it. It's fine. Whatever. It's fine. And love it. Way to go. But I do, but I, no, I, I enjoy having the races. Like it's nice on a Tuesday afternoon to pop the headphones in while I'm working and just listen to race day live and just take a break, watch the A, a groups ride. And then, you know, at night, okay, cool. It's a race day. Let's do this type deal. Um, plus it was kind of cool, you know, having, I mean, even though it was weird having those, uh, having those basically three weeks off there, um, it was cool. And then having a couple week break earlier. I mean, it, it's been neat. It's a, it's an interesting thing. And I I'm with you. I hope they keep doing it. Cause it definitely, definitely in my mind is a, is a positive. So, um, I think that this, this is the most growth I've ever seen in our sport with all this Corona bullshit going on. I've never seen so many people that I know or that I don't know that have more that have dirt bikes that are brand new than I than right now. And I think that it's a, it's a unique opportunity for, for supercross and, and just motocross and dirt bikes in general to grow. Yep. And I think that having multi races a week helps a lot because when kids, for example, I know a bunch of kids that are sitting around dicking around in, in the evenings during the week and then they flip on the race and, and then all of a sudden they're watching Ken Roxon go and, and throw a big ass, whip at the, uh, the checker flag you know and i think that's uh that's really good for our sport i think that's something that baseball and hockey take advantage of because they have multi-games in a week and it, and it gets engagement up when yep. you when you got to catch a race on a saturday night every week you're not in the position to watch on saturday night you're probably not that much of a fan you're right you you might catch it here and there but a general fan having a Wednesday night, Tuesday night, whatever race, yep. uh, it brings a lot more visibility. Hundred percent, hundred. What? Oh boy, don't get me into the visibility thing though. There's, there's lots, there's lots of of comments I have about the visibility thing for the sport, and we don't have time. I'm trying to go to bed. So, um. <laughs> oh, fast uh, bedtime. That's funny. I got to get a few hours rest in before I get back at the. What's shit. your What's your prediction for Atlanta three? <sighs> I don't know. I give up. <laughs> doesn't matter what my predictions are. They're going to be wrong because, uh, trust me, my fantasy season is definitely taking a nosedive. Um, uh, shit, dude. I don't know. I mean, it really is. Oh, shit. It really is a toss-up at this point, man, to be completely honest. Like, most of the time here, if, if things would have gone like they have for the other residencies, I'd just be like, oh, whoever won 450s is winning, and then, you know, whatever with the 250s. Um. Honestly, I guess I'm going to go this way. I'm, I'm going to say Hunter Lawrence is going to get a 250 win because uh, he's just been knocking on the door these first two. So I think he's mm-hmm. going to get a 250 win. Um, and then in the 450s, man, I'll tell you what, man. If Anderson rides the way he did the other day and gets a halfway decent start, like say he's in the top five instead of five to oh. ten, I think he wins the 450 race. Wow. Yep, that's going from downtown. He's bold today. That's where I'm going with that. (laughs) Mostly because I'd like to see it. I'd like to see another one. I'd like to see the 41 get another one. I think that that's uh, in the cards. I don't know who wins the 450s. I I kind of, uh, I just have a weird feeling that it's going to be Eli Tomac, but I don't, that's not my pick. And I think that uh, probably will be him. I mean, that's, that's part of the best part about the 450s right now. Okay. So Eli Tomac has been good at the speedway races. Okay. He won obviously the first Atlanta. He won Daytona. Um, so I could see him winning. 
If Kenny shows up like he did the other day, Kenny could win. If Coop fucking is pissed off and bounces back, Coop could win. If Anderson shows up like he did the other day and gets a start, like I said, again, top five start, Ando could easily win. And so it's it's really a great position we're in because you have at a minimum, say, four to five guys because you could also put um, Barsha in there too. If he, you know, he's got a, it's an outside chance, but it's still not zero to win that. Well, fuck. I mean, you could throw even a sixth in there if you want to go even just a little farther outside with Aaron Plessinger. Um, so, or Marv. Yeah. I think Marv's, but he still goes fast. Yeah. Marv still goes fast, but Marv's having a really weird season. So I don't know if I see Marv winning, to be really honest with you. That's even. He looks shook. That's even farther outside. I think he is, man. I think, yeah, I really think he's retiring. So. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's done after this year. Wow. I could see him going to a different team. I think that that would be suitable, too. I think that it would be a good move for him to go to a different team, but. So wow, retiring will be full. The rumor is is that he wanted to actually retire and they actually made him ride this year. Um, but he didn't want to. So um yeah, every everyone's pretty sure he's done. Now the other rumor is that Red Bull KTM is coming back with three riders next year. So you're gonna have Webb and two other people. Um so there's talks of Marv, but who knows? Uh, and then according to some pretty reliable sources, and it's been put out there through like Pulp and Max and some other places, um, Plessinger has an offer on the table from Red Bull KTM also. So really, yeah, which is interesting. And I think it's a bad move for him. I'm going to contradict everyone else out there. I think it's a terrible move for him to go that route. Why? Uh, why would be, why would going to, to Roger DeCoster, Ian Harrison being a bad move. So let me explain this. Plessinger is one of those guys that works better when he has some freedoms, and we've seen this happen. So 250 star Ooh. Yamaha days, he has freedom on star Yamaha. He does really well. He wins both titles. Moves to factory Yamaha. Factory Yamaha is much like Red Bull KTM, straightened arrow, fucking cross your T's and dot your I's, do your fucking work, or we'll fucking fire you type deal. And he has, what is it, two, three years here where he's just fucking terrible to the point that we're all like, if he doesn't do something this year, he's going to get fucked. Like, he's going to be done, you know? Um, Now, all of a sudden, they go back to Star Yamaha. They understand him. They give him some freedoms. And all of a sudden, boom, he's doing good again. Uh, So I think (laughs) if he moves away from that to KTM, which, again, is another team, Dot your dot your eyes, cross your T's, wear your tie, smile, say the right things. Don't get on the podium and be like, do it for Dale, man. Dang, man. I love racing <laughs> on these NASCAR tracks, man. Sick, man. No, don't do that. Go That's out there. Do your whatever. fucking job and fucking, you know, whatever. So I think it's a terrible move for him to, to even think about going there. Now, would I entertain it enough to make Yamaha step their shit up? And keep me? Yes. However, would I actually do it? Absolutely fucking not. Do you think that by that KTM trying to hire him would not expect that he would want that? I don't know. It's a very int- like when they announced that he had an offer from them, I yeah. did not see that happening. There are other things I could see happening. That was not one of them. But then again, too, if KTM's going to a three-rider team next year, it's like, who else do they get on top of 
Webb, especially if Marv retires. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Interesting times. I can't wait for silly season because Anderson's not riding <sighs> Rockstar Husky next year either. You watch. Well, it'll have a lot to do with uh, Bobby Hewitt does anything. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's 100% the thing. Uh, what was it that I heard? Hondas? I don't remember. Really? Yeah. It's, Honda needs a 250 team. No no disrespect to Mockoff. They need a legit team. Well, they the, well, they have Michael Lindsay's team is, is kind of under the factory, whatever. Um, they kind of took over some of the Geico stuff. Uh, so yeah, so they've kind of got that spread out. Um, but yeah, I don't know about 250 deal, but yeah, for my, I think that was what I heard was like Bobby Reagan, Honda team, something like that. And as soon as Bobby Reagan comes back, dude, or Bobby Hewitt, whatever. Um, yeah, Anderson's going to go wherever he's got a team. So watch out. Interesting. Yep. I think that he ha- he'll have all the opportunity to go wherever he wants because he's going to be a good he's going to be a good contender for a long time. Oh man! I don't think he'll be have any shortage of that though. You know what else I just put together too? So KTM's trying to bring a third guy on, right? Uh, you want to know why KTM's trying to bring a third guy on? Silly season rumor. No one's put this out here yet. Rocky Mountain KTM will be gone next year. Huh? So that's Benny Bloss and those guys. No, Bloss is on. Um, Blosses on uh, Genova's team. Uh, that would be oh, Savachi yeah. and Bogle. Oh, the one that uh, Michael Thurber manages. Yes, there's major money problems oh. there. Hence the reason. Hence the reason that Baggett's not racing. How come Rona? No, no, it's not a Rona problem. It's not a Rona problem. There's well, other issues. What I'm saying is, um, oh. There's other issues. I'll say in the business stuff. Sure no, I'm yeah, no, it's not Rona business issues. Uh, Baggett's not racing because Baggett didn't get paid. Oh. And there's a big ass lawsuit about going on with that behind the scenes here that no one's talking about, but everybody knows about. That's big- interesting. So for the fans at home, that's like a thing in the motocross industry, and it's one of the biggest reasons that I was excited to leave is that. A contract is a piece of paper. Uh, yep. If you have a deal or whatever, there's a huge problem in the Supercross racing in all of the history of Supercross racing where guys don't get paid. Yep. So then here's this is like, ah, boy. Which is part <laughs> of the reason that it kind of shocks me that Savachi went to that team. Yeah. So. It, it might have been because of that, because they have the opportunity to give them parts but don't have an opportunity to pay them kind of thing. I've seen that happen a handful of times. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there's there's big money issues going on with that team. Um so yeah, it's Fuck. it's an interesting thing. So um all right man, let's wrap this up and then I'll uh, I'll chat with yeah, you a second show. off the air. Yeah, great show hey, man. Thanks for listening everybody. Yep. Thanks for listening. Tom, thanks for coming on and saving my ass here. Cole had a couple family issues he was taking care of, so that's why he wasn't on with us tonight. Justin works all the time. So Kevin obviously should have been on the show like normal, but with being in the hospital and just getting out and stuff, he was he was busy. So I may touch base with him at some point here for a little bonus episode, but I'll probably just tell him to hold off and wait till Sunday, and we'll talk after the race on Saturday. But, only a couple days away, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, literally tomorrow, fantasy podcast I got to do, and then we're Friday, release that, and then, yes, Saturday we're racing. So 
Um, all right. Let's wrap this up here. So thanks again, everyone. This has been another episode of the Moto Aftermath Show, episode 164. Make sure to check out all our sponsors, TLR Coatings, Premier Custom Trailers, JT Cycle, and the Dirt Bike Depot. Links in the description below. Make sure to like, subcri- uh, like subscribe, comment, and share, whether you're on YouTube or listening to us on the podcast. If you're listening to us on the podcast, make sure to leave us a review so that people can find us. That really helps us out. Make sure to follow us on social media. Listen to the fantasy show, and we will be back uh, Sunday. Or, I'm sorry, not Sunday. We will be back Tuesday with an episode wrapping up Atlanta 3 and the whole Atlanta residency and a uh, regular show there. Get a couple people on. Hopefully, Justin Cole will be in studio. And uh, yeah, we can talk all the action from Atlanta 3 and the other two and try to predict where we're going with this. So, thanks for tuning in. We'll see everybody on the next one.